Hey, that was Ooh, perfect. look at it. <laughs> that was clean. Not like yeah. yesterday. It took three hey. times to do that shit. <laughs> hey. We a real bad now, shit. Hell yeah. <laughs> well, I'm pleased to report, gang, that we are returning to normalcy. <laughs> this out of the Metro UK today. Breaking news. The Suez Canal blocked again as container ship runs aground. Woo! Hell yeah, again. Nature is healing. Cargo. Nature is healing. This has yeah. to be like when are they gonna finally gonna come out with it and say that this canal is drying up or something, like because of climate change? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're yeah. not gonna be able to get these fucking ships through there anymore. I mean, it already, if you look at that motherfucker from an aerial view, it's like threading a fucking needle through the tightest ass you've ever seen. Like there's <laughs> just it's ridiculous already. That whole shit is outrageous. And they yeah, try to too. get the ships that are like the size of a couple of football field lengths right through that shit. Yeah, yeah. They're sending like eight double wides across <laughs> through there. It's like one of them, you know, you're on 15 and you're behind one of them wide loads carrying a trailer. You know what I mean? It yeah, exactly. You want to get around that shit, but you can't even. <laughs> yeah. I, so is it jack, did it jackknife or is it uh, well, let's just read beach? here what they say it says that boats were briefly blocked from entering part of the suez canal for the second time this year as a container ship ran aground local media said the vessel became stuck at about the 54 kilometer point in the canal in egypt the suez canal authority was forced to temporarily suspend navigation in one lane of the crucial global waterway while work to free the ship was ongoing i'm just imagine you know like a bunch of like arab guys that are like kind of the equivalent of like you know the like hillbilly dads that are like just giving it a slap on the host and shit they're behind it just i love the memes of the last one the ever given that got stuck and then this thing is just a fucking monster what do the kids say an absolute unit (laughs) yeah an absolute unit (laughs) and they're out there with a little bobcat digging out around <laughs> yeah, like Boys, a shovel in a picture. We'll get this thing moving here in just a minute. 34 days later. <laughs> uh, are we sure it's not I the same captain from last time? Oh, God. Wouldn't that be, be incredible? Sure. Says, <laughs> they fired his dumb ass. It says uh, the Suez Canal Authority was forced to temporarily suspend navigation in one lane of the crucial global waterway while work to free the ship was ongoing. Four You're telling me there's more towards... than one lane? <laughs> I don't, I they guess. got them going in both directions. <laughs> yeah, right, hole? like a two-way street. Buddy, didn't you see me turn off there? <laughs> <laughs> you see me put my indicator out, motherfucker? <laughs> yeah, so I just, hey, somebody's blinker was broke. They just stuck their <laughs> hand out and pointed to where they was going. <laughs> <laughs> Four ships going towards Suez uh, from Port Said were diverted into a separate lane as a result of the blockage, according to Alain. Sky News Arabia reported that the vessel was successfully refloated a short time later and the channel was reopened. So we're avoiding like a crisis of last time. The ship involved was the Coral Crystal, a Panama flag bolt carrier that was built in 2012. It is 738 feet long and 104 feet wide and was en route to the Port Sudan on the Red Sea, according to Traffic Marine, a vessel tracking firm. The canal's tugboats managed to float the southbound vessel, blah, 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 blah. 
latest incident comes after the ever given <laughs> one of the largest container ships ever built got stuck in the canal for six days back in March, prompting chaos and worldwide ship. Uh, good times, man. <laughs> I laugh now, but I'm all my local grocery store is already out of all pretzels. The we're in a very dire like all pretzels, like all brands. pretzels, no pretzels. <laughs> we're in a very dire. Uh, commodity chain crisis <laughs> right now, folks. We're out of all pretzels. What else you go eat when you get stowed? And like you just want a little bit of like finger food, snack food. What am I going to crumble and put on top of my ice cream? <laughs> exactly right. Riddle me that. <laughs> oh, uh, truly bleak tubs. What am wow. I dipping in my pimento cheese? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> Well, crew. Very uncertain times here. No, we really are. Um, I just feel like we're on the what's the word? A precipice. The precipice is something. <laughs> we're like you look you're right out of edge. <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> we're on, we're edging toward total uh supply chain meltdowns right now. And I just feel like it's barely a blip on the radar of the of news. Like <laughs> Y'all know it's the it's the uh, I saw on Twitter it's the one year anniversary of uh, those crazy ass fires on the West Coast that made the sky all orange and shit. Yeah, I was just was like, and they're still raging. Yeah, they're and it's still, still raging, raging oh, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah I was talking to a friend of the show, Sarah. Uh, shout out uh, Sarah Miller, the the best in the business. And yeah, they, they've just had just the god awfulest time. Um. Well, uh, we got a couple of updates, too, to some uh, open-ended uh, Trillbillies reported stories. Aaron, you said there's some movement on Cop City. Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, This all you, does make me feel like a real journalist. Yeah, right? Like I'm we're actually doing the hard... I'm about to print my ass a journalist. Investigative reporter by the profession of my bias. <laughs> Wear your green jacket and some Winston I have printed... Christian Amanpour. <laughs> I have printed a fake press badge before and it got me through out of a TVA board meeting. I was thinking of doing ago. that for a protest, man, just so I wouldn't get my ass beat by the cops, even though they do that shit. Just anyway. wear like, a press, press badge. Press, yeah, but press. now they're beating the shit out of press, too. <laughs> yeah, Aaron's got a CD <laughs> on with, like, you know, like those old-timey uh, fedoras they had, like, the press ticket in the band. <laughs> yeah, the press ticket He's got that in his beanie. It's like, oh, what are you talking about? Can't you see? <laughs> right here. <laughs> oh, man, but... uh. Yeah, the update y'all and some reporting we did. We did an episode a couple of weeks ago, um, a free one. And at the end, we ended with Cop City, which is uh, in Atlanta, the Atlanta Police Foundation, uh, which is like this um, like pro-cop um, organization. They're trying to uh, push the city to approve of raising the last remaining green space in the city, which is the old Atlanta prison farm. So uh, they want to spend $90 million to like pretty much turn that into a training facility for the cops. And uh, city council had tabled it a few weeks ago, the vote, so that the public could give their input. But I think something like 68% of like the Atlanta public is against it. Um, but apparently, you know, due to like propaganda, especially, you know, in like, um, I guess, uh, upper middle class, like uh, suburbs of Atlanta, like Buckhead and whatnot, people that actually don't even like live near where this cop city will be. But um, it was approved last night by the Atlanta city council and, uh, kind of disappointing i mean i don't know nobody i don't know if anybody listens to the show it's from atlanta i mean i hope so but um andre dickens which is one of the at-large city council members he's always been more amenable 
to organizers, you know, and activists, especially with like housing advocacy. But, um, you know, he agrees with Brian Kemp, who just released a statement, you know, saying that he agrees with the building of Cop City. So Andre Dickens and like nine other fucking city council members, you know, voted for that shit. So. Yeah, first man. time anybody's ever said they agree with Brian Kemp. <laughs> exactly right, right. <laughs> and, and 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 willfully put it out there. Yeah, I mean, it's like because people, I mean, people are just thinking that, especially. I mean, I guess in light of the uprising last summer, it's just wild that like these city council members could actually like full throatedly say like you know like not only are we not going to defund the police, but we're going to give them ninety million dollars, most of that taxpayer money, so they could build like a playground for cops you know <clears throat> and seating green space yeah exactly exactly in a in like yeah. a you know just fucking concrete jungle exactly it's exactly. probably going away like land in new orleans yeah so it was previous so it was already owned by the cops or like the bop or whatever because it was a prison farm yeah it was actually i don't know who owns it now i guess the city owns it now but it was firmly formerly owned by like you know the uh I guess the the jail system in the uh, in the city they were it was an old prison farm and I mean the cops were still using it as like for like there were like old school buses there and shit like that and they would use it for like target practice like just dump magazines into the side of this building and shit but you know it was still like a place where people would go they would like it looks pretty cool it's pretty dark like in a weird southern gothic kind of way but now they're just gonna make it a uh, yeah, this training facility that's going to include, I thought we covered this uh, on the show, but they're going to include a cop academy called the Institute for Social Justice. So like, oh my God. yeah, man, it's like beyond even parody. Man. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting because I mean, we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show, obviously, but uh, like this country is just addicted to here's the solution for our problems. Let's double down on the things that got us there exactly yeah you know what I mean? and it's just exactly. such it's just such a weird way to approach any problem you know what i mean it's like like the old adage you can't dig yourself out of a hole like that's something we say it's like i'm digging myself out of a hole like what what are you talking about that makes no sense you know what exactly. I mean? that's the american yeah. way it's very very american idiom yeah. but, and it is just so depressing that I mean, these fucking people should be afraid to do shit like this after the uprisings last summer. Like, ideally, these people would be afraid to seat $90 million more than they're already getting. What's that in addition to their already budget, right? Yeah. And and I mean, what's crazy about it, too, is that they're leasing it. The city is leasing the land to... um, I think not the Atlanta Police Foundation, but I think APD, the police department, they're leasing the land at what is it like ten dollars or is it five five or ten dollars a year for 50 years <laughs> you know what i'm saying they're gonna be leasing this land for like I less than you. like an eighth a we week you know what i mean <laughs> like, god damn i yeah. just um meanwhile rent is skyrocketing for poor yeah. people in the city it's just i mean it's just like there's I don't even know what else to say about this drum, but like they just continue to defund life and yeah. life. Exactly. And they defund life and fund punishment and death and destruction. And um, yeah, I mean, it's beyond parody. It's like, what can we even say about it? It's so goddamn depressing. We're in a pandemic. Like, ideally, we would, sh- you know, go just show up at these people's houses and make their lives fucking miserable. And it's not even safe to do that. It's uh-huh. like we are 
oh the dark the dark days friends i just want to bring it up too man this was especially fucked up about it, is that uh, my comrade asia arnold uh, she's the one that wrote the article in the intercept that we yeah, had talked about but asia. she um she tweeted something she was like you know black voters in georgia were the ones that carry joe biden in atlanta right were the ones that carry joe biden like over the finish line but who is being punished, right? With this, yeah, like, you know, even <laughs> after that slip up on Charlemagne. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. What do you say? You wait. ain't black if you don't vote for Joe Biden? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they cannot wait to fuck their own, you know? Yeah. Just yeah. absolute buffoonery. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, that's an update about that. And I mean, like, I don't know. I guess if anybody's interested in what else is going on, I mean, I mean, you could hit like me up about it and I'll like, you know, link people to some organizations that are trying to, you know, uh, see what next steps they're going to take. So I don't know what's going to happen next, but, you know. Well, I just can't wait for the next election when uh, <laughs> everybody's voting against their best interest again because they're done. This is the most Not... important election of our lifetime, gang. <laughs> again, again, again. Again. Let's, let's oh, run Jesus. the jewels straight to the voting box. <laughs> that's where uh, that's Vote where or die. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, in another update of a uh, recently covered Trill Billy's topic. Uh, so we're, kinda, get, we're getting press passes, bitches. <laughs> we need to, man. <laughs> we breaking the fucking news over here. <laughs> we do have a pretty good track record of breaking the news, but there's there's been an update uh, with the Bishop Sycamore, the mystery school, as covered on the last week's Patreon. <laughs> They've in 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 a uh, you know I guess for our purposes a horrible twist of fate they got rid of uh, their last coach who was what was his name uh, God uh, not Tyron Jackson that's the new one right Tyron Jackson is the new coach well it, anyway we'll get to it. But they've dispensed with their old coach who just said, you know, we're a fledgling school. You know, if anybody, if any of you in the press corps have any suggestions for how we should develop our curriculum, I'm all ears. Well, that guy it turns out <laughs> us here in the press court do have some suggestions. <laughs> right there, Tanya in the back. <laughs> in the latest twist in the strange saga of Bishop Sycamore, the football team's new head coach, Tyron Jackson, said Monday that the self-proclaimed high school is not, in fact, an actual school. <laughs> Tyron Jackson, who identifies himself on social media as the new head coach of Bishop Sycamore, probably risky bra- business, buddy, probably bravely <laughs> so. <laughs> Tell WCMH TV in Columbus that he believes a quote mistake on paperwork end quote had resulted in a misconception that Bishop Sycamore was even the high school at all. That Bishop Sycamore High School is a school. Is even a <laughs> I don't school know why anybody would think that Bishop Sycamore High School would consider itself a school. Weird. I don't know what gave them that idea. He described it instead as a post-grad football academy. And when we were talking about this yesterday, I was just thinking about how fucking funny it would be for all these good old boys that peaked in high school. You know what I mean? That like just want to hold on to the glory days. Yeah. Yeah. On the state. You know, that 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 third head of the the uh hat trick of rural manhood going to state and football, going to the volunteer (laughs) fire department, killing a deer. That uh, 
I mean, it Imagine seems like a glorious way to close out. You know? What's that? I said it seems like a glorious way to close out, like your your golden years, you know, your middle aged years. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I've heard some people say it's been said that a person should plant a tree, write a book, and something else. I forget what the third coach at high school football team. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I, for one, think the good old boys deserve another option. It's either go to college, go to work. But I think they deserve a go play more football option. Yeah. I think they do too. Shout out the Letcher County Wolves. Those boys have figured it out. A bunch of guys <laughs> I went to high school with started a pro am team, so they took matters in their own hands. Not unlike our friends here at Bishop Sycamore. <laughs> quote: We do not offer curriculum. End quote. Jackson told the TV station, "We are not Isn't a school." That kid say they took them to the library one day. <laughs> <laughs> said they uh, they bust them out to this like seedy hotel where they stayed for three months and then one day of their time out at the hotel they went to the public library and sat around <laughs> the public and, like, I don't it know. So, what do you boys think about somebody. james joyce's dubliners any any thoughts <laughs> and these are also note the fact these are like men in their 20s not high school kids they're even high school is it and they probably got them sleeping four to a room two queen beds you know oh, these you know grown they're ass getting, men you know they're getting cozy <laughs> sleeping like head to foot and shit <laughs> oh they're getting cozy as hell uh-uh. we do not offer <laughs> curriculum taryn jackson tyron jackson told the tv station we are not a school that's not what bishop sycamore high school is and I think that's what the biggest <laughs> misconception about us was. And that was our fault. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was your fault. I guess it was. We are a high school. <laughs> because that was a mistake on the paperwork, which is something that does not square with school founder Andre Peterson's account of things, who said uh, less than a week after the controversy broke that – He vigorously defended the school's credentials to USA Today Sports and other media outlets. Peterson told USA Today Sports last Tuesday that, quote, Bishop Sycamore is not a scam and has spoken repeatedly about a need to simply update the school's website. So we got one that's saying they need to, it was a mistake in paperwork. And then we got the founder saying, well, we just need to, we need a better IT department. <laughs> but but explicitly saying this is not a scam. It's like when you're looking for apartments and somebody's like apartment for rent, there are no roaches. Trust me, there are no roaches here. I know, you know it's like the <laughs> like, number one the thing game you say to throw off the scent of a scam is this is not a scam. Exactly. Yeah, and also, if, if that's like your M.O., like you're not a very good scammer to begin with. <laughs> Ohio Governor Mike DeWine has asked the Department of Education to investigate Bishop Sycamore, ensure it is meeting minimum academic standards and following the law. Jackson's comments come less than a week after this is, and that was the Peterson quote I just read. He said that the school has between 75 and 80 students and that tuition costs about $2,000, which if you think about what you get for it, a three-month-long stay in the fucking Comfort Inn and Suites and once, once a semester trip to the public library, kind of a bargain, really. I mean, it really is, man. You pay rent $2,000. Some people pay $2,000 rent a month, you know? Now, here's a classic, here's a classic <laughs> grifter's tale, okay? This tells me Andre's not very good at this. Quote, if it's a scam and the kids are not going to school and not doing what they're supposed to be doing, then I'm literally scamming myself. And most importantly, <laughs> I'm hurting my very own son, Peterson said my last week. Part. 
So when people say stuff like that, I would literally be taking my son's future and throwing it in the trash. That is, that's the darkest thing I could imagine. When like, he's just being so flippant with that. Well, yeah, because, this is like a devil's milkshake situation yeah, where he's yeah, like, yeah. I put my own child on the line here. Yeah, it kind of is. It's like an immaterial devil's milkshake. Yeah. <laughs> a psychic devil's milkshake here. Well, anyway, we know the story. If you signed up for the Patreon last yeah. Sunday, uh, if you, if, if you, or excuse me, if you haven't signed up for the Patreon last Sunday, we talked about Bishop Sycamore being under scrutiny after it played IMG Academy, one of the top-ranked high school football teams in the country, and lost nationally televised game 58 to nothing, which prompted ESPN's broadcast commentators to wonder if perhaps the network had been deceived by Bishop Sycamore High School, which had claimed, quote, it had multiple Division I prospects on its roster. So... I mean, what it's you, just a ghost team of all ghosts. <laughs> I mean, it has to be for you to lose 58 to zero. Like you couldn't have been doing anything at all. And for them, they're telling us these grown ass men, 20, <laughs> 20 somethings got their asses handed to them that bad on ESPN by teenagers. Well, you know, Cat Williams got his ass beat by a child, you know, so sometimes <laughs> it let me tell you something. Any guy that's ever played pickup and had the unenviable task of guarding a girl that's really good at basketball knows what I'm talking about here. <laughs> There's just no way you're winning. There's no way you're winning in that situation. If she cooks you, everybody's going to clown you. If you guard her too hard, the boys are going to say, "Oh man, that's that's cold, bro." Yeah, she's a girl. Why you guard her oh so hard? It's like because she's going to toast me if I don't, motherfucker. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, oh, yeah. we would be remiss if we let it be a Trillbillies episode without bringing up the sobering reminder that 20 years ago from Sunday, it's coming Sunday, <laughs> the, world, the world the world stopped turning, gang. <laughs> cool, Courtney Seems Jackson. like two of you forgotten, at least. <laughs> I remembered a month ago. I'll you remembered a you month know. ago. <laughs> you, you, were, you were a month early. Ahead on this. <laughs> It was already not 11 season. I could not believe that this motherfucker right here said, oh, this weekend was 9-11 and I totally forgot. <laughs> A month ago. <laughs> what Amazing. your girl forgot is all, all sense of time and reality. <laughs> it's raw dog and reality, man. But Tanya's got like... Someone would mention anything of consequence, pandemic, anything. I would put my fingers in there. La, 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 la. <laughs> like, yeah. Excuse Just what it out the other. Don't even go in. <laughs> if you need a, a little glimpse into Tanya's mindset, looking at her back wall there, she's got like Six blinky cat clocks that just when the tail goes, their eyes go side to side. <laughs> That's the mindset of somebody we're dealing with here. Oh, we have one back there, Tom. Are you high? Are you be. on shrooms? I might be. God I got baskets, uh, cross stitches, plants. A lot going on back here. This is where I keep my high heels that are for pictures. I see. Only. I was just looking at those. I know? can't work. I can't walk in those. They're for pictures only. <laughs> you got like a rack of high heels, yo. That's pretty cool. Yeah, well, before we hear from before we hear from some veterans of the NATSEC community and our national defense on uh, how we can prevent the next 9-11, let's check in with the residents of Letcher County and see what uh, 
what they're doing for this remembrance week. This is a good one. You got the current, you got this week's, Tom. This is this week's. I'm just, I'm curious. I've not even looked at it. So I'm wondering. Oh, it's juicy. Other people have sent me pictures of it. It's got to be juicy. 20th anniversary. <laughs> oh, boy. Let's get right into um, it here. Well, there's a bunch of juicy COVID ones, too. Oh, man. <clears throat> I just want to make sure I'm clear on what I'm seeing on the television. You mean to tell me, me we too. left Afghanistan with our tail between our legs and 13 members of the military killed and our president told us it was, quote, an extraordinary success? Well, if that's true, God help us if we ever have a family. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I cannot disagree with this man. <laughs> yeah, at the end they got me, I was like, hey, hey. I mean, is, are we wrong? Is this wrong? <laughs> I to declare say, Afghanistan an overwhelming success. Can you imagine? After you dump billions of dollars, how many lives? I can't even say. You know what I mean? Put the country I, partially in a recession, man. Yeah, I wonder if he's talking about illness. Afghanistan as a whole or the decision to withdraw. You know, if he's talking about it as a whole, then yeah, it's yeah. he's got a point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they've been standing on, you know, the one leg that they're out here helping the Afghan people. Come the fuck on. You, yeah, I uh, mean, helping the Afghan people by shooting the most sophisticated weapons in the world at them repeatedly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so fucking dark and bleak. God help Jesus. us. Jesus. I'm burning a candle for us. <laughs> Burn the sage, man. Shit. It is no wonder that many Americans don't want to get the COVID-19 vaccine. It is because they can't trust their government. They are liars. No Amen. one should be forced to take that vaccine. If the government cared about your life, they would stop bringing in illegal aliens with COVID and send them all over. The <laughs> oh my God! Citizens. This is one that someone sent me. <laughs> if you go to a damn hospital with COVID and have not taken the vaccine, you will most likely be treated with less respect, and they will most likely care less if you recover or not. We are free in America. We have the right to the freedom of speech. So if you want to get that vaccine, then you should get it. But if you don't, the government has no right to force you to. You know what? Ain't now wrong. here, Ain't wrong. Now, you got the freedom on. to die. The, the eagle speaks as it so rarely does and calls me out directly. Editor's note. When did the government, quote, force you to get a vaccine? If hospitals don't care about unvaccinated COVID patients, then why are this area's intensive care units filled with those patients? And just how many illegal aliens with COVID did the government send to infect our people in eastern Kentucky? Neighboring Perry County has the nation's second highest COVID-19 infection rate in the United States. Have you seen an influx of illegal aliens there? Or down in Bell County, which has the nation's fifth highest COVID infection rate, due in no small part to Tanya's adventures there? <laughs> oh my god i text yeah. my mom when i saw that i text mom i said hey do you know that bell county has the nation's fifth highest <laughs> rate of covid right now <laughs> she works there two days a week like she goes back and forth to two different stores she was like shit's bad it's too hot to die we're too hot to die we're too hot to go out like this <laughs> That is true. We got, oh. so, we got so much in front of us. Way to go, Joe Biden. It is good to see a president doing his job rather than be out golfing or lollygagging around Mar-a-Lago. Boy, what a president we did have. Am I right? 
Mickey Steins is the best sheriff this county has ever had, in my opinion. He goes around busting everybody, busting everybody, but leaves the Camp Branch crew out. That's where all your meth is coming from in this damn county. Uh, long time He's on listeners the Camp of the show Branch, will remember uh, that. Payroll. Long, long time listeners of the show will remember that Mickey Steins uh, told Tanya that he would, in fact, he would die for her. So, for real. Yeah, he did, didn't he, Tanya? Live in court, yeah. Uh, I was in there complaining about the cop presence at our Black Lives rally. <laughs> and he stood up and hollered and going off, hooping and hollering, do you know I would die for you? And I just wish I'd said, please, please do. Yeah, <laughs> you, you better turn him, use that to you're our the, advantage. you the one with a fucking gun on your hip, bub. Oh, I mean, the same day, these people are fucked. The same day as our as our BLM rally in our little town, they found nooses all over town. Jesus Christ. And acted like it was like not connected and there was no, it was no big deal. Like Jesus wouldn't damn. even put like, and our fucking and this very paper wouldn't even talk, wouldn't even cover it. Jesus, yeah. What the fuck? Uh, I went to high old. school with a guy named Dougie Mullen, spelled D-O-G-G-I-E. And I'll never forget him coming to play ball with us one day and he Dougie went away as the first guy that probably was listening to Dog Pound in high school, but he was also a guy that would like eat a bar of soap for $10. <laughs> and then he came back, he did a white nationalist turn and he came back with a noose around his neck and he came down to the basketball courts and he said, this is why all the blacks are getting out of Letcher County. And we turned to each other. We're like, what, all two of them? <laughs> <laughs> all two of them? No, they what still here. You, pretty, pretty sure they're on the court right what now. What are you saying, Doug? <laughs> Jesus, fuck. So, anyway, uh, fast forward, Doug got back into the dog pound and married a black woman. So, you know. <laughs> in, in, interesting, uh, interesting. Interesting turn of events, yo. Yeah. He had a redemption arc, man. Shit. <laughs> oh, my God. For the first time in history, <laughs> I love this. I love this. For the first time in history, the United States. <laughs> I'm sorry, I skipped over the best part. For the first time in her history, the United States oh. has made an unconditional surrender. We gave $85 billion worth of equipment and arms to the Taliban. And they can use those against us. And we left some of our own people and our own allies to the mercy of the Taliban. The first time in her story. In her story. In all her story. <laughs> I like the gendering of America and while, while citing what this guy perceives as a failure. <laughs> Editor's note. <laughs> Numerous fact checks have debunked claims that the United States left $85 billion worth of military arms and equipment behind when they left Afghanistan. That false claim comes from a July 30 quarterly report by the Special Investigator General for Afghanistan Reconstruction that said, uh, the most reliable narrator in my opinion, that said the U.S. has spent a total of $82.9 billion on Afghan security forces during the 20 years since the invasion began in 2001. I'm not Wait, sure. Say that number again. Uh -uh. 
That false claim comes from a July 30 quarterly report by the Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction that said the U.S. has spent a total of $82.9 billion on Afghan security forces during the 20 years since the invasion began in 2001. So I guess what the editorial staff here is saying, that, that eight, we left $85 billion behind is what we've spent in Afghanistan in 20 years, which I think is probably a little on the low side. Yeah, that <laughs> seems a bit of a conservative <laughs> estimate. <laughs> to say the least. Oh, wait, let me ask you a question, Tom. Are, are these speaker pieces, have they become more editorialized or like have like an editor's note added to them, you think, in the past couple of years? Well, I, let me speak on this, please. Uh, <laughs> please do. The editor of the Mountain Eagle is a prick, and he loves to be a I, petty I got to interject. I love Ben Gish. This is just Tanya's opinion. That's my own editor's note. <laughs> He's a prick, and he loves to get into a petty beef. So he, I, I don't know that it's gotten more, but he loves to gotcha. Yeah, yeah. He likes to do the well actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah he loves yeah. the well actually. But the person who sent me that this week was like, this is fact checking better than CNN. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is. Though. Last one, and we'll jump into what we, we wanted to talk about this week. To the caller who claims I keep attacking him over my hatred of, quote, wokeism, your reply to my comment about your hateful ideology was not asked for, for in any sort of way. You rudely retaliate with slanderous accusations and name calling. You also stated that your freedom begins where my God-given freedom ends. Being there is no freedom on the avenue of sin, God's freedom will never end, pal. You also stated my church does not rule things in this country. You are correct. The Christian church is a refuge for believers who wait for the return of Christ. <laughs> there is room for you in the house of faith, my brother. Read John 3.16, Romans 10.9-10, Ephesians 2.8-9, and do it in that order. And concerning your remark about the Taliban, where do you think wokeism came from? <laughs> the Taliban. <laughs> the, the, ta the Taliban responsible for all this woke propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> the Taliban responsible for that George Floyd mural, mural that people have been seeing, man. Oh, yeah, they're pissed about that. Yeah, well, I have to say that it looks like the citizens of Electric County have forgotten. Maybe next week there will be some more. I, I was thinking, you know, <laughs> for sure somebody will, you know. Break up something about 9-11? But nothing. 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 Well, to close it out here, that is, if I can sneak behind this paywall. Um, I sent you guys an article mm -hmm. uh, from the Washington Post this week. On the eve of the anniversary of 9-11, this is an opinion piece by Jason M. Blazakis. Blazakis states his credentials as being a professor of practice at the Middlebury Institute, sounds satanic already, of international <laughs> studies, <clears throat> and was director of the State Department's Counterterrorism Finance and Designations Office in the Bureau of Counterterrorism from 2008 to 2018. And uh, I saw this on, uh, on uh, old 12 Ball at Boltzmann Booty on Twitter's feed which is amazing if you don't follow them uh 
but the opinion says it's a real possibility that our next our next 9-11, not our first 9-11, that our <laughs> next 9-11 could arrive from within. No shit. Tom, where'd you send us this at? It's in the uh in the group chat. In the group chat with not Tom, not with Terrence, with just the three of us. On not on our phones. Okay. For many Americans. Wait, the, fir- the text message? Yeah, the text message. Oh. <laughs> Tanya, Tanya definitely did the reading. <laughs> oh, did you send this days ago? <laughs> Yesterday. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, so yeah, so just to tee this up, Blazakis is clearly one of these uh foreign policy ghouls that you know, among the worst people living. Uh yeah, and this like to make it more inflammatory, the picture at the top of the article is the uh, uh, Alfred P. Murray Federal Building, in Oklahoma City, that was bombed in 1995. Yeah. <clears throat> For many Americans, Blazakis writes, the first searing image of terrorism was not of jets plunging into Manhattan skyscrapers or a smoldering Pentagon but of a heroic firefighter cradling a soot-covered, lifeless infant in Oklahoma City. Two white men, both Americans. I love I love the, the woke turn of the foreign policy ghouls. Two white men, both Americans, have blown up a federal office building. Domestic terrorism fueled by government-hating extremists awakened the nation in April 1995. All right. I just, can I just add, like, just like, you know, like, I know you say for many Americans. I know exactly what he's talking about is going to be white supremacy, right? But the fact that this motherfucker says domestic terrorism awakened the nation, not the fact that the United States was already committing domestic terrorism on like marginalized like black since people. 1776, yeah, since 1776, since 16, whatever. What do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, actually, on, much further before that. But okay, and it started call, in 95. To call government hating extremists, come on. But 1995 is when it all turned, gang. And as the United States prepares to commemorate the 20th anniversary of the September 11th attacks, which is going to be truly something to behold, we must confront the real possibility that our next 9-11 could arrive from within. We must resist the urge to see the horrific suicide attacks in Afghanistan in August and the apparent reemergence of the Islamic State and Al-Qaeda uh both you know varying degrees of uh veracity <laughs> as a reason to return to dated strategies and tactics as someone i love this old cudgel right here as someone <laughs> i mean this is one of my favorite on twitters uh um veterinarian here uh as somebody <laughs> who's had their fist in a horse's ass i can tell you firsthand <laughs> that ivermectin uh yeah um foreign policy ghoul here as someone who has worked on national security issues in the u.s government for more than a decade i've concluded that the u.s quote war on terror end quote i like that he put that in scare quotes yeah i don't exactly. think he meant it the way it comes off launched in the wake of 9-11 has left us unprepared for the domestic threat that grows by the day so that's what's left us unprepared that's what's left <laughs> That's okay. what's left. Is that's what's going to catch us uh, off guard, yeah. Yeah, okay. 
Complicating matters further is that in today's politically charged environment, I mean, was this written by like a uh, fellow at the Brookings Institute or was this written by like some like blue waiver on Twitter? You know what I mean? Yeah. Some like Warren Green account or something. Complicating matters further is that in today's politically charged environment, the Biden administration will find it difficult to pivot toward the domestic threat but we must move beyond the narrow obsession with the international terror and mitigate the extremist threat at home. And here's his prescription for doing so. But before wait, I wait. This. can I bring in one more thing though? It was also yeah. too that I find is troubling, man. I mean, the whole thing is troubling, man. He says, complicating matters further is that in today's politically charged environment, the Biden administration will find it difficult to pivot toward the domestic threat. So are you saying that like, you don't want to anger and inflame like you know conservatives and trump's base so you're not gonna actually like go after like white supremacists and white nationalists and like you know what i'm saying like these extremists like that's insane you know like we don't want to upset these people too much so we'll just keep letting them like do whatever the fuck they're doing you know or the more extreme elements i guess of their base or whatever man i think yeah, and i mean they are like our own like internal strategy is to target uh black left exactly black extremist groups yeah black exactly. that's what they call they start they coined black extremist groups yeah it's a funny not thing. white supremacists it's a funny thing that like uh an inordinate number of the og black lives matter protesters like from ferguson era mm -hmm. have ended up dead under very mysterious circumstances mm -hmm. but <laughs> ain't none of them january 6th i mean they're hanging out several of those motherfuckers to dry after like the fbi is like obviously put their thumb on the scales and we're yeah. manipulating like these yeah. like people literally I mean, driving people, them to do this shit yeah people found dead in the trunks of their own cars and claiming it was a suicide yeah like yeah. fucked up shit in classic Ferguson. suicide tactic i'm just gonna smother yeah, myself gonna, in my two to the back yeah, of the I'm head <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. i'm gonna shoot myself twice in the back of the head and then in a trunk and then die god like. damn it god damn <laughs> Yeah. I will say, though, I think the post uh, missed a good opportunity. This is already a terrible title. but I, So I'm going to give them um, uh, an idea for a better title, which would be Five Ways to Mitigate the Extremist Threat at Home. We'll just turn <laughs> it into an Instagram list. <laughs> Make it a listicle? Yeah, make it a listicle because then it says here are five ways to do so. They a real missed opportunity on a listicle here. Oh, <laughs> yeah, God. and they should illustrate it like it's like a recycling thing for kids, you know? <laughs> yeah, like color it up and G shit like give that. Give a hoot, don't pollute. <laughs> Reduce, reuse, recycle, Rihanna. Hey. <laughs> okay, here's here's this guy's policy proposals. Okay. Mm. Surely we'll all print these out and stick them beside um what's the guy that wears the Patagonia vest's name? Oh, DeRay, DeRay yeah. McKinnison. Whatever yeah, DeRay McKesson's uh seven policy proposals for uh reducing police violence. Stick it up on the fridge. Getting rid of it. <clears throat> Number one, fund and expand FBI capabilities. Well, I mean, that's that's just common sense <laughs> police sure, training. Yeah. We need more police training, you know. Yeah. More FBI are uh just historically so underfunded and uh expand their capabilities yeah the fbi is just so limited in their scope of what they can do i want to point something out in 2004 i was the subject of the united states secret service investigation into online gambling 
Now I understand that the FBI is not the secret service, but like, I feel like they're like on the same branch more or less. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like FBI, like, you know, is more broadly a, a, a you know, a police institution essentially. Mm-hmm. While the Secret Service is more like they investigate like cyber crimes, counterfeiting, mm-hmm. and weirdly have security detail for the president, which is seems kind of, you know, not really overextension of their capabilities. Other things, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, if they knew about some dipshit in at that time, Moorhead, Kentucky, that uh, had some dealings with PartyPoker.com and later EmpirePoker.com. <laughs> and by the time they came to my house, they put a tree together and showed me how that I was, you know, what branch I was on, you know. Oh and they God, looked us in the man. eye, me and my cousin said, basically, we got enough on you boys to put you away for 20 years for Class D felony organized crime. Jesus. And we were like... Bro, we were just playing poker. And, uh, yeah, we were just, we were just playing poker, bro. <laughs> like, what the f- We were just playing Yahoo games, bro. Well, they were, like, trying to say, like, I mean, there was a number of things they charged. They were trying to, like, stick to us. But, like, basically defrauding taxpayers by using a college computer for illegal means. Like, I had to Tom, the same thing happened to me for downloading music really? at EKU that same time. It was probably 2005. No I think it was my sophomore year. The same shit happened to me. And I got I got put on academic probation, probably because I stormed into the office um, because I thought it was about porn and went the fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and then when you find out about music, you was like, okay, that's right. And then it was music. I was like, oh, uh, okay. Really what it was dumber. is you downloaded Britney Spears' dumber. Give Me More, like a shitty version of it before the album came out. And they were real <laughs> pissy about it. Yeah, they literally they were seeing they were sending cease and desist letters like this all this bullshit language all over campus to people. I, I think an important lesson I learned in that process was you should never. I mean, like ops are everywhere, no doubt about it. But I also I think too you should never assume that like the CIA or the FBI or the Secret Service or whoever you know are like mm. always that intelligent. Because at the top of the tree, they had my friend Brian Escobar, who had nothing to do. They said, we know he's the ringleader. I was like, I think you're just saying that because of his last name. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You have no evidence besides the fact that he is brown. (laughs) Escobar. Put him right at the top. Right at the top. And we know that you all are just Escobar's minions. I was like. What? <laughs> I love that they flashed out a crime tree to you to a bunch of little doe bitches in Moorhead, Kentucky. Oh my! They had, they, had, they, had, they really thought they they had like a Rico case or something by a bunch of fucking dipshit <laughs> college guys playing poker and like exchanging money like through the function on the website. It was weird. one yeah. of the guys got, ended up getting in trouble. Unfortunately, his dad he was like a rich kid, and his dad was like a judge in like Greenup County. And he got tried in a local Greenup County court instead of a federal court because his dad made a sweetheart deal and he ended up getting like two months of like unsupervised probation. And he was up for like identity theft, fraud, wire fraud, all kinds of shit. Jesus, man. But he was actually stealing money off people and running a scam, like friends of ours. But we didn't know that till later on. Anyway, (laughs) fund and expand FBI capabilities. Until recently, the vast majority of FBI resources were devoted to tracking individuals tied to groups such as Al-Qaeda and the Islamic State. Both fictions, depending upon who you ask, 
While this is changing, the FBI's resources are yet to be aligned to the rising tide of domestic right-wing extremism. The 2019 congressional testimony, Michael McGarity, then assistant director of the FBI's counterterrorism division, said 20% of the Bureau's counterterrorism agents worked on domestic terrorism, with the rest devoted to international terrorism. Even though he noted domestic terrorists carried out more attacks and killed more Americans than international terrorists, which is an interesting thing to admit, right? Because like we've been told that this like boogeyman from the Orient is going to come and like murder yeah. all of us. You know, you know well, yeah, they've, they've long relied on the great uh, mysterious other, you know, to like to fund their wars, to, yeah, to, to get public approval for going to Iraq in the first place. Exactly. And yeah, now I when mean, it doesn't serve their aims, now that now like that, uh, you know, these unstable white men are the ones that like are, are the are their new boogeyman. You know yeah, what I mean? You can't flip the narrative. You can't yeah, flip the narrative. Right? Known yeah. I mean, you talk about Cat Williams. Cat Williams has a great joke about them call them just calling anyone an insurgent. It's like, <laughs> what's it? We don't I don't know no insurgents. Hell, I don't know no insurgents. Yeah, like, I don't I know don't, insurgents. <laughs> what's an insurgent look like? They're just out here in flip-flops and jogging pants. <laughs> These are just civilians, motherfucker. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, That's we've same. long known this that like psycho psychos here are a way bigger threat to anyone than people somewhere else but but exactly. even then it's like it's still fucking overblown right because it's like i like i used to work with these motherfuckers at the fire department that were all into this militia shit and and yeah. even a significant portion of these guys are just like guys that want to feel something on the weekend and bored with their lives and they're like on yeah statin therapy and then somebody told them about QAnon or something and then but like most of those guys are just like I'm not saying they're good or anything, but they're like blustering fucking dumbasses and not like guys that are going to pull off some January 6th type shit. Which, well, I mean, know. even the guys that did January 6th, I mean, like we saw the way that turned out where it was like, I mean, frankly, like, you know, the people will still like fear monger about it and say, well, this was a transformative day for America. But I mean, yo, it was like, like a bunch of idiots bumbling around <laughs> at the fucking Capitol who didn't know what the fuck to do. And yes, I understand it was scary for people there, but I mean, I think that's the best example of like, yeah, these people aren't the smartest, uh, most, I'm not going to say most dangerous, but I, I think it is like kind of a bit overblown, right? Well, it gets dangerous once you get the FBI like embedded with them. Yeah, like, and trying to go, not, and trying to like go them into doing like shit. A, some like chud fucking like white guy that likes to, you know, build his arm stock and have like 4,000 rounds of ammunition and all this stuff. Once you get the FBI involved to kind of like, you know, push on those nerve centers, that's yeah. when these motherfuckers do this shit. Yeah. And I mean, this all goes back to an abolitionist value system. Like these are almost all rooted in issues of fucking poverty mm -hmm. and no healthcare system, mm -hmm. a piss poor education system. Like this is a cycle um, that creates just people who, have no have nothing to go on but fear and confusion essentially <laughs> and, and listen i'll tell you right now man like you're not gonna like i mean we know this right but like liberals think that you're gonna like you know convince these people through logic and reasoning you know to change their minds bro I don't care if you hate black people, as long as you, I feel like you have health care. If you have like, a, you know, a school that your kids could go to, like you live in a neighborhood where you feel secure and safe, bro. And that you're not going to take all of these sentiments that you have to go out there and like, and with a gun, to, like you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah, just like stay the fuck away from me. You could be bad, but like, at least you won't be bad enough to go out there and do something about it. You know what I'm saying? God damn it.
Policy proposal number two, update the domestic terrorism statute. Not one January 6th insurrectionist had been charged with terrorism. And like, I, I love how they use these like, okay, so this how inflammatory this is. And even white supremacist Dylan Roof's murder of nine black parishioners in Charleston, South Carolina in 2015 didn't merit the change in the view of prosecutors. Even Charged. the enacted after the Oklahoma City bombing had been used to target international terrorism but not neo-Nazi groups or other domestic threats. A stronger terrorism statute would be, <clears throat> would in many cases pave the way for longer prison sentences and provide clearer pathways to prosecution of accomplices without violating constitutional concerns. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Not really persuaded on that, on that <laughs> front, but, but go on. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like, oh my God, dude, the echoing of Dylan Roof in yeah. this like it's so it's so weird to see this sort of right turn toward the language of like social justice yeah and to see them embrace that and use these boogeyman like roof and everything to just press those buttons like it's just the most like cynical shit you can imagine. although even though they won't do as necessary i mean even just defunding the police right even tanya you were talking about issues of poverty right like education even doing things like that like they don't want to make that turn right that emancipatory turn but they want to make this right-wing cynical turn and like capitalizing on it identity politics man okay yeah and cash in that way Jesus. yeah that, i mean this this cycle is them continuing to make life harder and more miserable and unlivable but between minimum wage the wealth gap all this shit like they just continue to make life harder and less like more unlivable literally less survivable and their fucking answer to the consequence of that is just more guns more, more jails more jails <laughs> more like police overreach <laughs> yeah more death well, and destruction like we're gonna are... get to that in a second this last one's gonna or there's there's a couple more but this oh man that's so funny <clears throat> The next policy proposal, treat the far right challenge as a transnational issue. The U.S. intelligence community should adjust its collection priorities to better measure the overseas far right threat posed by neo-Nazis and like-minded groups. After the 9-11 attacks, our intelligence agencies focused on groups such as Al-Qaeda, the Islamic State, and their affiliates. We must continue to do so, but also augment U.S. foreign intelligence capabilities against international neo-Nazis and other extremist groups that communicate with, share propaganda with, and sometimes financially support far-right groups here at home. So you're getting a little, you're getting a little like, uh, you know, we want to, you know, we, we also, you know, we want to keep our eye on the Islamic world, but also we kind of need to keep our eyes peeled on what's happening in the Crimea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is kind of wild. It is kind of funny to think, um, <laughs> that we're so obsessed with borders that we only, we see all of, we see terrorism only as either domestic or uh, abroad. That's yeah. not a like. That is both. That is not bleeding like, into each other. Yeah, these people all interconnected, like a, a world fucking, that is pretty bizarre. We really love a border. Oh my God. Here's, here's where, here's where, we get into the NGOization of the uh, of the deep state. Take the fight to social media platforms. All right, let's go. From fundraising now, to operational planning Twitter. to propaganda. Go to Twitter, I'm ready. Yeah. 
social media sites are the unseen back offices of modern terrorism. Social media companies are, be, are big on self-policing, implementing their own usage policies and removing content that violates their standards. I know that's right. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. <laughs> Thorpe knows a thing or two about that. <laughs> Uh, he is a uh, <laughs> violator of standards. Turn that man has to run a VPN night and day. All the time, yo, all the time. The U.S. government could sanction overseas far-right groups, essentially name them as terrorist entities, as an impetus for domestic social media platforms to shut down these groups' access. This approach would aim to keep international terror groups from metastasizing in the United States. Now, here is the cherry mm. on top enlists non-government help finally the u.s well, government well, a few volunteers <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, you volunteer yeah don't mourn organize uh those that are afraid of domestic terror enlist non-government <laughs> help finally the u.s government needs to encourage and fund private sector and non-profit programs that can help stunt extremism because federal, I swear to God, the Sierra Club's going to have like a program. I'm going to go to work and they're going to have a program on like fighting right-wing extremism and in the workplace. <laughs> that kind of stuff. How to be an anti-racist at work. You got uh, you got a neighbor that's uh, maybe listening to Burzum a little too much. <laughs> if, you, if you see something, say something. We must enlist non-government groups that have experience at uncoupling individuals from extremism and that work side by side with local leaders to identify at-risk populations and individuals. To identify at-risk We can throw these motherfuckers in jail before they try some shit. Sorry. Yeah, before they try some shit. Some uh, some citizens arrest. I'm going to be out here lassoing motherfuckers for popping off in the streets. Yeah, it's like, it's basically like we should all be George Zimmerman's concerning this effort should be part of the u.s long game and one devised to ensure that our liberties human rights and privacy are not trampled upon in the name of fighting domestic terrorism i i don't understand the sort of dissonance that has to be happening in somebody's brain to to uh, the proposal above said we got to take this fight to social media platforms this one says we need to spy on our neighbors, essentially, and enlist the help from the nonprofit world and then say that we're going to make sure that your privacy is not trampled on. God, man. An aggressive and intrusive use of federal authority is a real threat too. America's radical right extremists and Afghanistan's Taliban might seem like polar opposites, but their approach to financing, recruiting, propagandizing, and fighting are surprisingly similar. The connective tissue is a desire to crush the system, That's whether right. the U.S. government or the general world order. Hmm. By and large, America's domestic threats have had free reign. But even as we mourn the loss of life that the last month in Afghanistan, the most insidious threats are often the ones in our own backyard. <laughs> often the ones closest oh to home. <laughs> oh, my God, man. <sighs> I want to mention something about that um that last one enlisting NGO help. Like I don't know anything about like de-radicalization. I know that's been floating around the internet, but just this idea Ooh, that like it's hot. I know I'm not even gonna get into it, but like just <laughs> like the idea of like all right, uncoupling at, I mean, even at-risk populations, all that language is like risky as fuck, but like uncoupling individuals, like I'm not really sure that like 
like I don't really know how you deal with like that, like de-radicalizing people like that. But I'm not really sure the answer is to like kind of coddle people. And like, of course, in your own personal interpersonal relationships, if you know somebody that's hateful, like that's something that you got to deal with on an interpersonal level. But like, how do you make that? Like, it reminds me of uh, Tom, you and Terrence did a show about this uh, like a racist anonymous kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, which is this soft liberal approach. To like de-radicalizing people, but I just oh, feel like yeah, that's those, not how it really people works. That were going you know? to the black pastor and it saying, yes. uh, "I'm a racist," and then like, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> I suck dick to belittle my Indian neighbors. What have, you, <laughs> what have you done for? What have you done for drugs, motherfucker? <laughs> oh my god, racism is my drug. <laughs> <laughs> it's my drug. Uncut premium. I, I don't know, man. It just feels again like I don't know. Like we talk about all the time, just get into like the root systemic problems and not trying to, you know, trying to, as you were saying, Tom, you have this like, uh, like this schizophrenia of like, whether you want to like, you know, protect people's privacies, but then also trample on them. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, it's just kind of like, it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. Some fucking foreign policy, fucking nerd ghoul here, you know, like giving us like policy prescriptions to fight, like, entities that are to be clear are mostly fictions and to the degree Mm -hmm. that they exist the united states created them empowered exactly i mean osama bin laden's been a was a fucking cia asset for 40 fucking years exactly you know what i mean (laughs) come on exactly (laughs) exactly well anyway uh i guess that's mm. why uh (laughs) trump said he was small potatoes (laughs) he's small potatoes small beads well, oh, that's all I got for the week. Any uh, announcements, concerns, mm. questions, queries? Nah, man. Mm. Your all girl's on life support. I about passed out in the hot tub this morning. Well, in pray. the shower after the hot tub. Pray for me. Pray yeah, for pray Tanya. For Tanya. Send wrong with love and healing energy. <laughs> <laughs> Send love and healing energy to Tanya. Y'all. My blood pressure's low. I got my sugar down. Lord, honey, my. And my grocery bad all morning. Whoo, can't get it straightened out. My grocery store's out of pretzels and donuts. What am I to do? No donuts. Tanya Tanya blames the condition (laughs) in the Suez Canal for this. Suez Canal (laughs) due to the donut shortage is due to the uh, to the canal. Oh Lord. Pretzels. Thanks you two for being good troopers and sports through the technical difficulties, and thank you all out there that. dutifully and faithfully tune in every week and uh keep us going uh if you like what you hear or even if you don't like what you hear and you just say hey i'd like to support uh small business <laughs> go on over to <laughs> patreon.com slash trillbilly workers party where for five dollars a month you can get an extra episode every week or for less you can just uh, throw in there and just, you know, as a love offering, as we used to say in the mm-hmm. church growing up. But, uh, yeah, I guess we will see you all there on Sunday, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. So, right. with that, we better do. Bye. What is today the ninth? Yeah, yeah, yeah.